Shalom. This is Reverend John Ferret, and I wanted to welcome you again to the vidcast series, Hanukkah, The Return of the King. And this video focuses on candle three, the third candle of the Hanukkah menorah. If this is your first video that you've actually accessed in this series, whether it's at Facebook or at Podbean or at YouTube or any of the websites that carry the podcasts of Light of Menorah, I really urge you to go back. Go back to the first video. It's called Hanukkah, Return of the King Introduction. And then there is the video on Candle one, and then the video on candle two. And then finally, this video on candle three. These are in a very critical sequence. One lesson basically leads into the other. They are dependent on upon each other, and they build upon each other. So it's very critical to go all the way back to the introduction to get an idea of what's happening there as this series builds upon each other. As we go through this and candle four, five, six, seven, eight, and finally to the dramatic conclusion of this entire series. Now, so far, we talked about the first central candle. And for us in this series, as we're seeing how Jesus uses Hanukkah to talk about his return, we remember that that first candle, that center candle of the Hanukkah menorah, that represented Jesus saying that he was God and he said it on Hanukkah. And that was in John chapter 10, starting in verse 22. But the Jewish people would remember as they're observing Hanukkah that there was a very evil, cruel, vicious Greek pagan king, Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who had put a stop to all practices of Judaism in those days. If you circumcised your son, the mother would be crucified, martyred. If you had a Torah scroll, you would be martyred, you would be executed. Thousands of Jewish people were martyred for their faith because this great king outlawed the practice of Judaism. And this great king Antiochus IV Epiphany said he was God. This would have been a remembrance, especially in Jesus's day, among the Jewish people. Epiphanies, epiphany. In other words, something that is shown forth. And Antiochus IV is saying, I am God, showing forth right now. But Jesus on Hanukkah, he declared he was God. And the chief priests and the temple officials wanted to stone him because they said he blasphemed, calling himself out to be God on Hanukkah. Interesting. Then we came into the first candle on the right, and that was lit. And Jesus talked about the abomination of desolation, that when he comes and he's teaching his disciples on the Mount of Olives, we call it the Mount Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25. The abomination of desolation, his disciples would remember Hanukkah. 
His disciples would remember Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who brought in the abomination of desolation into the temple in Jerusalem and turned it into a pagan temple. And so again, Jesus talking about his coming, the abomination of desolation that would enter into the time period before he comes. And then the next candle, the second candle, which is the next one to the left of that first one. We remember when we're reading in 1 Maccabees chapter 2, that when the revolt started, they fled to the mountains. And what does Jesus say? In those days, flee to the mountains. He's using the second. It's the, it's the second connection, major connection, right out of the book of Maccabees. So now again, we will return to the Mount of Olives. And again, we're going to see how Jesus uses the events of the Maccabean revolt to help his disciples understand his return, the return of the king, the coming of Jesus to rule and reign in Jerusalem. I provided you a link at the website. Remember, the website is www.lightofmenorah.org. Menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H, lightofmenorah.org. And there is a link there to a fantastic synopsis of this whole period, the Maccabean revolt that results in the dedication of the temple. Dedication is Hanukkah. That's exactly what it means in Hebrew. And I think you would find it fascinating reading, and it might even spur you want to say, I want to go into deeper to even more, learn more about the detail of this time. Because for the Jewish people, Hanukkah, wow, it's, it's again how the God of God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Jacob's name is Israel, the God of Israel, our God. Paul says we believe in the believe in one God, the same God. He came and empowered his people to defeat the Greek Empire, a gigantic empire, and to stop the persecution of his people, and that they could practice Judaism again and walk according to the ways of God, the ways of the Lord. We remember. God did it to the Hebrews in Egypt. Slaves, no power. The Pharaoh ordered all of their male babies to be murdered, thrown into the Nile River. They had nothing. And God came in the midst of that death, in the midst of the persecution and the slavery and the bitter bondage that they were experiencing at that time. And he rescued them. Rescued them through his amazing leader, Moses. And before we go on to study, let's do a blessing. Let's do a blessing to God, a blessing to Adonai, just as they did in Jesus' day before they entered into Bible study. A blessing to thanking God for his word. Because God said, Jesus said, the Lord said, if you are in my word, if you're enduring and persevering with the foundation of my word, you will be my disciple. You'll be just 
like me, following me, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So indeed in this blessing, as I've done before, there will be the Hebrew, I'll do it slowly, and then you can repeat after me and we'll do the English together. Baruch hata Adonai, Eloheinu melech haholam, Ashir bakar banu mikol hahamim, Veinatan lanu etorato, Veinevuim hatovim, Veinatan lanu et habasora Mashiach Yeshua, Veinatan lanu et habrit Chadasha. Baruch Ata Adonai. Noten Adevrei Hemet. And together in English. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all people and given us his Torah and the good prophets and given us the good news of Messiah Jesus and given us the new covenant. Blessed are you, Lord, giver of the words of truth. So in the previous lesson, we learned that indeed they fled to the mountains, they fled to the hills. We saw how Jesus actually uses that phrase when he's teaching his disciples there, the Mount of Olives, about what it's going to be like at his return. And the Maccabees, they, not the Maccabees actually, but Mattathias, that old Levite priest, and his five sons, Judas, Judas the Maccabee, Simon, John, Jonathan, and Eleazar, plus a whole bunch of people from Modin, that small city there in central Israel, they flee up to the Gophna Hills. This is a picture of the mountains of Judea, not far from Jerusalem, but it is a picture that I can use that will give you the idea of perhaps what the Gophna Hills look like in those days. Very hilly, very rugged, a lot of places to hide, a lot of caves to actually live in and stay in and, and protect yourself from the harsh conditions of the weather and so on, especially if they fled in the December, January timeframe. What they did is they create a hidden, they created their hidden camp in the central mountains. And from there, as their numbers increased among religious Jews to join them, they began attacks against the ungodly. Matter of fact, we read in 1 Maccabees, chapter 2, starting in verse 42, then Mattathias and his friends were joined by a group of devout and patriotic Jews, the strongest and bravest men in Israel, who had all volunteered to defend the law, to defend the Torah. And Torah, remember, does not mean law. Torah means instruction. So technically speaking, when you look at this in the Hebrew, it says, who had volunteered to defend the Torah. In addition, everyone who was fleeing from the persecution joined them and strengthened their forces. Now that they had an army, they gave vent to their anger by attacking the renegade Jews. Those who escaped were forced to flee to the Gentiles for safety. Mattathias and his friends went everywhere, tearing down pagan altars and circumcising by force every uncircumcised boy they found within the borders of Israel. They were also successful in hunting down the arrogant Gentile officials. They rescued the Torah of Moses 
from the Gentiles and their kings and broke the power of the wicked king Antiochus. You can go into 2 Maccabees, starting in chapter 8, and we read even more details about this time when they had fled. They had fled Modin. They went up to the Gophna Hills. And we read more about just that period. Judas Maccabeus and his friends went secretly from village to village until they had gathered a force of about 6,000 Jewish men who had remained faithful to their religion. They begged the Lord to help his people, now trampled underfoot by all nations, to take pity on the temple, now defiled by pagans, to have mercy on Jerusalem, now destroyed and almost leveled to the ground. They also asked the Lord to show his hatred of evil by taking revenge on those who were murdering his people, mercilessly slaughtering innocent children and saying evil things against the Lord. When Judas had finally organized his forces, the Gentiles were unable to stand against him because the Lord's anger against Israel had now turned to mercy. Judas would make sudden attacks on towns and villages and burn them. He captured strategic positions and routed many enemy troops, finding that he was most successful at night. People everywhere spoke of his bravery. They killed pagans, they burnt their towns, and they killed and persecuted renegade Jews, those Jews who had turned from their faith and had joined the Gentiles. Judas the Maccabee and his 6,000 men were greatly feared, and that army grew over time. As we're taking a look at this map, you can see the red arrow again from Modin up into the Gophna Hills. And it was a number of months after they had done that, and they started their, you might say, guerrilla campaign among the cities of Judea and around Jerusalem, that King Antiochus IV Epiphanes ordered one of his governors, Apollonius, who, lived, who actually had his headquarters in a town called Samaria in the northern mountains, of Israel and northern Samaria for that matter. And Apollonius came with his army south. And it's said that Judah, Judas the Maccabee, probably met Apollonius at a place called Maalavona. When you read it in English, it would be the, the town of Labona or the valley of Labona. It is suggested this might be the place. You can see the green line going from your left to your right. That would have been the army of the Greeks, of Apollonius. And it's theorized that Judah, with his men, his 6,000, hit up into the hills on either side of this deep, deep valley and trapped Apollonius and surprised him and this was their first major battle. So again, we come back and we remember that as we return to Modin, we take a look at that synagogue, which is possibly the place where the Maccabean revolt started. Again, in the last session, we talked about the fact that synagogues were civic centers. So they were just not used on the Sabbath. 
for their religious services and reading the Torah. No, this was a civic center as well. Important meetings of the town would happen at the synagogue and in the courts of the synagogue. So it's very likely when the Greek officials came to Modin to try to force Mattathias, who's the leading citizen of Modin, to actually offer a sacrifice to Antiochus IV Epiphanes and therefore declare Antiochus IV Epiphanes as God, that they brought that pagan altar and maybe it was not in the synagogue, maybe it was on the outside. But we remember that Mattathias, he refused and he killed a Jewish man, probably from Modin, who said, no, I'll do it. If Mattathias won't do it, I'll do it. And that's when Mattathias killed that Jewish man, his neighbor, and also the Greek official who had the sword and they rose up and defeated the Greek soldiers who had also come to that town. I'm not going to be reading that account again. We read it in detail back in the last session. But as we take a look at this screen, the king's officers, they came into all the towns to make them sacrifice. They got Mattathias. He's the ruler. And they wanted him to actually offer that sacrifice. They figured, hey, if we can get the leading guy the rest of the town will follow. But Mattathias, he answered, and then I will read what he said. And he, spake the, and he spoke this with a loud voice, though all nations that are under the king's dominion obey him and fall away, every one of them from the religion of their fathers and give consent to his commandments, yet will I and my sons and my brethren walk in the covenant of our fathers. God forbid that we should forsake the Torah and the ordinances. We will not hearken to the king's words to go from our religion, either on the right hand or on the left. And that's when that Jewish person from town, who was a sellout, he was going to sacrifice. And Mattathias, inflamed with zeal, couldn't hold on to his anger anymore. He slew that man on the altar and also the king's representative, the Greek commissioner who had, com who had compelled men to sacrifice, he killed them as well. Thus dealt he zealously for the Torah of God like Phineas, like Phineas did unto Zambri and the sons of Salome. And Mathanias cried out throughout the city with a loud voice, saying, Whoever is zealous of the law and maintaineth the covenant, let him follow me. So he and his sons fled into the mountains. That we dealt with on candle two. And then he says, And left all that ever they had in the city. They fled and took nothing with them. They did not go back to get their coats they did not go back to get their money. They did not go back to get anything. They fled the city. And now we return to the Mount of Olives. And again, the question marks indicate that someplace up there, Jesus is meeting with his disciples. And they had asked him a question. This starts in Matthew 24. Jesus, what will be the sign of your return and the end of the age? 
And so you start reading in Matthew 24, which we won't read all of Matthew 24, but one important portion. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. It's the same idea. They fled to the mountains. And Jesus is saying, in, my, in the days of my return, before those days, flee to the mountains. And don't go back to take anything out of your house. Get out of town. For the disciples, what did they hear? What did they think of? It's highly probable they thought of Hanukkah. They thought about the revolt of the Maccabees. The book of 1st Maccabees, the book of 2nd Maccabees, those were available to the Jewish people in Jesus' day. They were available in the 1st century B.C., so these were read. These were understood. And Jesus is following verse by verse in the first book of Maccabees. And he's talking about his return. So we light the third candle. And the third candle represents Mattathias' words when he said flee, and they did. And they did not go back to the house to get anything. They just left. They had nothing. And Jesus says the same thing. The correlation and the connections between Jesus trying to teach his disciples about his return and the connection to Hanukkah, the connection to the, the revolt of the Maccabees. It, it, it's, it's so clear. And so indeed, let's say a blessing. A blessing unto the Lord. To the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the King of kings. Who's the mighty God who rescued his people out of Egypt. Who rescued his people from the evil and cruel and vicious king Antiochus the Fourth Epiphanes. And the pagan Greeks. Just imagine. It all started with an old priest, his five sons, and a bunch of people from a small city in Jerusalem in the second century BC. And it started it. There is no that nothing too difficult for our God. And Jew and Christian alike, we worship the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and the God of Israel. God of God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Barukata Adonai, Eloheinu, Melach, Haholam. Ashir Kitchenu, Bimitzvotav. Veinatanlanu, Yeshua. Adonenu, Mashienu, Ahor, Haholam. 
Blessed are you, O Lord, our God and King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and given us Yeshua, our Lord, our Savior, the light of the world. So, from the center candle to the first and second and third candle, it is becoming very clear that, T, that Jesus is using what his disciples were very familiar with. It's like us. There are many of us, many of you, who are watching this video who could probably give a nice synopsis of the Battle of the Alamo, who might be able to give a good synopsis of the Civil War. Eh, briefly. We know the names of generals. We know the names of significant people in those events. And in the revolt of the Maccabees, those disciples... 2,000 years ago, we're very familiar with these events. This was their July 4th. And he's teaching them, not us, about his return. But if we can understand what they understood, if we can hear like the disciples heard Jesus and consider that historical background that Jesus is actually using, events that they were familiar with, then for us today, our understanding of Jesus' return will be enhanced and deepened. So it's amazing. And it will even become more amazing as we continue through candle four and five, all the way through candle eight. And the concluding video, that will just blow you away. So until the next video, until Candle 4, I wish you his shalom. <laughs>